Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is the Real Estate Podcast, the intersection between the latest trends in real estate and its impact on our everyday lives. We're your hosts, Alex Norman. And Jamie Blonde, and you've come to the right location. The real estate starts now. In today's episode, Selling Better, we explore the intersection between real estate and the retail sales experience. Today's guest is Russell Bennett, an automotive industry professional with over 30 years in retail, sales, and management. Russ is the author of the soon-to-be-published Life in a Cell, a book about how we can communicate with today's technology. Russ, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Russ. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Great to be here, privileged, and, uh, and very happy to discuss a topic that is near and dear to all our hearts. So, Russ, tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I uh, come from the Midwest, from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, like most people up north. Uh, when I turned 21 years old, after enough winters, I decided to make the move to sunny Florida. No more shoveling snow and uh, had some family ties down there. So came here when I was 21 years old and, and uh, you know, was in some direct sales at that point. And uh, here I am. Well, that's great, Russ. I mean, glad to hear uh, and welcome to sunny Florida. So you know, we've all had sales jobs and most people have had to sell or attempt to sell something at least once in their life. So I love this topic. Uh, but sales is broad. I mean, as a, as a topic and as an industry, but we're today we're focusing on sales and retail. This is an important topic. And one may ask the question, what does this have to do with real estate? But in fact, the sales experience is exactly why stores exist, right? I mean, we don't go to a store to press buttons and look on screens. We actually go to a store to talk to somebody. Uh, and to Unless you go to McDonald's. <laughs> and touch product. Um, so, Russell, you know, you have an interesting story coming from the auto business. You know, tell us a little bit about how you got into sales at retail? Well, you know, um, as a young man growing up in Ohio, uh, I worked all my life as a child and worked in the auto parts business, parts driver for stores. And then I got into automotive dealership and parts departments because of my love for cars. All I ever really wanted to do in life was sell cars. Uh, it was always my passion. Uh, and after being in parts for many, many years, uh, I couldn't quite break out of that. You wouldn't get a job. Uh, Salesmen at that point were making a great deal of income, a lot more than I was making in the parts department, but they wouldn't give us an opportunity unless you had prior experience. So I decided to quit my job, take a job in direct sales, which would help me gain experience to do what I always wanted to do. Great point, um, Alex, about everybody's in sales in one form or another. I mean, we're always selling, right? Whether you're going on a date or you're going on a job interview or you're trying to sell a product or you're trying to sell yourself. Uh, we're always selling. Selling is life. Um, uh, my background is institutional sales on Wall Street. Uh, for people who aren't familiar with that, it's it's kind of like a broker, but a combination of a consultant and a salesperson, two people who are professionals already in the finance industry. Uh, and so you have to have knowledge that's valuable to the client's business. But in the end, people do business with people they like. And it's that interpersonal connection that you make that makes the, uh, differentiates a good salesperson from a great salesperson. You know, I we talk about cars. It's very funny. I don't nothing about cars and I always wish I did. You know, I'm the kind of guy that if there's a problem with the car and I pull over, unless I pop the hood and the engine actually fell out a mile back, I have no idea what's going on inside there. So um, kudos to you for being able to be good in both those industries. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, Jamie, because I uh, obviously have been in sales quite a bit, uh, but I always thought that that 
automotive sales was like the pinnacle of sales. I mean, you have to really be uh, a very unique, clever, thick on your feet shark in a lot of ways to be in the retail uh, auto business. And I know that for me, I've been in the auto industry for, for a number of years and I don't, I'm afraid to walk into a sales to a, a, a to a dealership because I know that I'm going to be sold something that ultimately I I did I didn't want, which is a testament to how great the salespeople are uh, at uh, in these auto dealerships. So Russell, I mean, it's it's you've got to be. I mean, you've been in this business for you know for a bit, right? So you've got to have some stories and some 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 tips. And where where do you where do you see? the biggest area for improvement? How do you help people get as good? Where where are things going? I mean, you wrote a book about it, about the, the disconnection of, uh, of, of, hum- of humanity because of technology. What do you see uh, this going? And where do you see sales evolving? Well, you know, sales to me has always been what I call an art. You know, sales is an art and it's a lost art in many ways. One of the reasons that I got intrigued about selling automobiles as a young man is because of a bad experience. I realized I worked for a dealership. I worked in the parts department. They took huge advantage of me. They, they didn't uh, treat me fairly in my mind or, or take care of me as an employee. And I just realized at that point, so many people were so bad. It's, there's no shortage of poorly trained salespeople in any industry, but seeing the need that nobody out there in the car industry or, or my connections were doing it well, I figured, you know, if I got really good at this and learned how to help people, I could probably do this and do it very well. So it was just a a, a previous bad experience that was like, wow, everyone hates buying a car. There's a reason for that. It's because the experience is so bad. Not only is experience so bad, but it's because the experience has gotten less and less personal and less and less effective that you have online sales exploding, right? You got retail sales are now uh, a one and a half trillion dollar business in the fourth quarter in the United States. E-commerce has gone up, gone from uh, from 11% to 14% of sales in just the last, the 12 months from 2019 to 2020. So as the experience gets worse, as our technology makes it easier to buy things online, we are moving farther away from the person to person sales experience. And I think we're losing something, right? We're losing something there. Well, you know, you know, it, it's about the expectation too, right? I think that there used to be a time. You remember when when e-commerce really started to take shape? That was when Amazon put out their books online, and so you'd be able to buy books online. But we weren't really jumping to buy autom- automobiles on the internet way back when, and the reason was because it was the items that you that were self-sold, meaning items that sold themselves like books. You walk down, you pick your own book and you, you don't need a salesperson to sell you a book. Those were the products, the goods and services that were easily translated to an online and e-commerce experience. And then now as we as consumers expect less, uh, we, we are more open to getting clothes and, and, and all kinds of high touch experience and high touch products and services through the internet. So I think consumers in a lot of ways maybe didn't want to be sold or maybe want to just be by themselves and alone when they shop is the reason why people are going there. I mean, it's it's a really interesting question. 
Well, my take on that is the biggest reason that people have, have gone to e-commerce and everything else, it's because are strictly of fear. We have such a fear of what we're going to experience. Um, think of it as this. I mean, you've been taught everyone, you know, buying a car when we were young people is it was a rite of passage. I remember going into a dealership when I was, you know, 10 years old, my father, and him carefully instructing me not to say a word and follow his lead and don't say and watch the salesperson is going to try to sell me the exact car that I don't want. Uh, you know, my father was a, a car guy, he bought a car every two years. So I just remember going there and experiencing that. Like I said, it was almost like uh, in, in Africa, the young warriors killed the lion. And it's kind of that experience in America, how to taught to buy a car. And it's our fear of that experience that keeps us from, from connecting with people. Uh, another analogy, if you wanted to jump out of airplanes, and you said, I want to go skydiving. And everybody you talked to in your, your immediate realm or all your friends and, and colleagues were all told you, wow, that was the worst experience I ever had. I really don't think you should jump out of a plane. They're all going to discourage you and tell you all their bad news stories uh, that would make you probably never want to jump out of a plane again. So I liken the, the sales experience to that as well. Um, you know, real estate. I mean, I know real estate, automobiles, everything is online today, but can you really buy a house? Can you get the walkthrough experience? Uh, can you really uh, enjoy your new car if you're so afraid of making a decision based on everyone else's poor experience that, you know, I find that people don't even enjoy what they get at the end of the day. But doesn't it really matter? Or, I mean, you could tell me, <laughs> tell me I'm crazy. But does it really matter what you're selling? I mean, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, experiences like jumping out of a plane, uh, that's a whole other thing. Because ultimately, I don't know anyone that says jumping out of a plane is awesome. (laughs) It's scary. It's the worst experience ever. But selling a car today isn't like it was 20 years ago, right? I mean, you know, cars back in the day were relatively simple. There was gas mileage. There was, you know, how many, you know, how many, how many miles can you, you know, you, you, you ride, what color is it? Does it break down? Now you're selling a car or a computer on wheels, right? And it's more complex, it's, it's gadgets. So you have to be part car salesman, part tech, you know, you know, salesperson. You gotta be part, um, environment um guru and there's a lot of components to it so the sales process is a little bit different but does that make the salesperson different is it do you need to be a different type of a salesperson in order to sell um products today you know i just think you got to be informed you know and sales selling to me is more about asking questions than having all the answers um, you know, people come in, you know, cars are a very personal item. It's an expression of who you are. Not everybody drives a Mercedes or a BMW or a Lexus because they can afford it or because they, they have to. It's because that's what they desire. This is an extension of themselves. Just like we buy all goods and commodities. We buy certain sunglasses because of the way it makes us feel. Uh, ladies buy certain handbags because the image they're looking to portray. But when you're purchasing the large ticket items like real estate, like automobiles, these are hugely uh, big financial decisions that require good decision making and uh, knowing the client and knowing their needs are really what they're looking to obtain at the end of this purchase is critical. Uh, you have to be empathetic to people. Uh, lots of tough decisions and it's a tough world out there and uh, advice. Uh, you know, if you're going to be a fiduciary, give people good advice. You really need to have their interest at hand. 
Well, you break up some good points, right? I mean, number one, you're absolutely right. I always told the people I was training that selling isn't talking, selling is listening. If you just listen, your client will tell you what they want. All you have to do, you either can fill it or you can't, but they will tell you what they want. Uh, and you're absolutely right as well. There are certain items that you can sell on Home Shopping Network. There are certain items that you can sell on Amazon. And there are certain items that you want to touch and feel for yourself. You want to sit in the car. You want to put on the suit. You want to see how the dress looks uh, on your body. You're not going to just buy that online, especially if it's a high ticket item, as you mentioned. Um, so I, I think I think given that 60% of communication is nonverbal, uh, and given that so many young kids today are stuck on their phones and have lost the interpersonal skills or the ability to learn interpersonal skills through jobs, through life as they grow up, when it comes time to be uh, uh, selling and, and making a personal connection, I think technology has been a hindrance to the next generation of salespeople. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when you look at today, we were using technology to replace our need for people. Um, you know, you look at the environment, like I said, in the auto industry or anything, it doesn't matter if you walk in a mall and you walk in the store, everybody's got their defensive up when they're looking because they're all afraid of, of some bad thing that's going to happen if they buy something. Uh, and, and it's supposed to be a, a good feeling. It's not supposed to be a, a fearful thing or doing something that you should have guilt about. It's about getting something and getting the right information and having somebody help you make that right decision if you don't have all the facts. Um, but like I say, right now, the phone is taking Google and uh, Google and or any of the uh, huge mediums have taken the place of uh, they're the authority. If Google says it's a good thing to buy, then I'll buy it. I can't listen to my next door neighbor. I can't trust him because he's in the auto industry. He's out for himself. And I think it's just our natural fear of making a mistake that creates that environment. You know, you say fear and you're right. I mean, the salesperson, particularly in the automotive industry, has always been seen as the enemy. Right. And and so all you've all you've been doing and all you've been learning is how to protect yourself from being sold. I mean, people want to buy, people don't want to be sold. And so how do you and you know, I I, I you know, before I go and get a car, I'm going through blogs about how to buy a car, what not to do, what to look for, and all, all of which is supposed to prepare me from not getting screwed over. <laughs> which is, which is well, well, and Alex, you make great points, and I'm right in the middle of that right now because I'm driving. People who know me know that I, I make snap decisions very quickly, which is why I'm driving the same car I've been driving for 21 years. <laughs> and. Uh, and it's and it's time to get something new. And so interestingly, I, I I do my homework. I talk to my people who I respect in the autos and what cars they've had. And I go online and I look at the reviews. But then you go and do the experience. And here's an example of what's changing. I walk into Mercedes, right? You have to wait. You get assigned a salesman. You sit down. You got to talk to them. Then, okay, what cars do we have you can try? Let me go see what's available. Then the mechanic brings the car out, you get in with him, you drive around for literally eight minutes around the block, and you come back. I walk into Tesla, they don't have salesmen for all the different people. They have one guy on a computer. He, what do you want to try? It's, in, it's in parked in lot number two, location number seven. Here's the code. Go and use it for 30 minutes. Come back and let us know what you think. 
So yeah. they, they've encompassed the tech, that, that they've taken the human factor out of it. But at the same time, that's also a bit of a positive to your point, Alex, about being afraid or your point, Ross, about being afraid about being sold something. Yeah, you know, that's actually the what they call the puppy dog sales technique, right? It's like you want a dog. <laughs> You, you, they give you the dog and say, you know what, why don't you have the dog for a couple of days and then just bring bring her back, you know, if, if you have issues. And of course, the dog never comes back. You fall in love with the dog and all that. So you're really getting a chance to really enjoy the product. At the same time, the person that's giving you the dog is actually helping you out, right? You want a dog. You came there for a dog. And this person is solving your, is just helping you do what you already came to do right instead of the opposite which i think a lot of times when we think of sales we we think that the salesperson is supposed to get us th their job is to force us to do something that we don't want to do so i think how we bring that empathy i think you said it russ into the sales process what are the the tips and techniques that people can apply right away to help add more empathy in their sales and perhaps a more rewarding and, and pleasant experience for the customer? Well, first, you got to recognize that you're not in the car business or the real estate business. You're in the people business. And unless you can communicate on a high level to people and care about people on a large scale, uh, you're in the service industry. And yeah, people are looking for you. And of course, everyone has predeterminations of how their experience is going to be based on past experiences. But uh, Tesla, you bring up as a good example. What we've done is in, in the auto industry as well, internet scales, all these things, the statistics from Google and all those companies show that by the time a client enters your facility, let's say, he's already 90% predisposed to your product due to all the research and uh, all what he's read or, or, or uh, heard about your product and wh or why he wants one. So you really don't have to sell people today as hard uh, because they kind of know what they want. What they really need is someone who's willing to care about them as a person, be empathetic. The salespeople need to put themselves in the customer's position. Almost assure them that they're making the right decision, right? That's really, that's really the key. I'm there to be that sounding board, answer questions, uh, reassure you that you did come to the right place. This is the right product for you. And this is some of the reasons that you made that decision. And you reinforce their belief in their decisions. Uh, it's not to scare them or, or I, you know, one of the, the worst traits that I find most salespeople have when a, when a client uh, uh, mentions another brand or another product, most people are so defensive. They're instantly going, oh, they're pretty good, but, you know, you don't want to trash or, or badmouth anybody else. You're there as a, a trusted advisor, if you will, uh, to give your opinion and, and give the facts on what they're doing and how they can get what they want. Before we continue with the show, I wanted to talk a little bit about Noom. Noom uses the latest in behavioral science to empower people to take control of their health for good. Through a combination of psychology, technology, and human coaching on their platform to help millions of users meet their personal health and wellness goals. A lot of people face pressures to change themselves to fit other people's expectations, and the more freeing solution is to find things that work for you. 
Noom understands that everyone's weight loss journey is unique, and what works for someone else doesn't mean it'll work for you. That's why Noom's approach adapts to your lifestyle. It's flexible and focuses on progress, not perfection, allowing you to work towards goals at a pace that's comfortable for you. Noom Weight makes it easy to start your weight loss journey and stay on track with personalized lessons to help you gain confidence and practical knowledge, one-on-one coaching, and a cognitive behavioral approach that teaches you how to be mindful of your habits. 75% of Noom Weight users finish the program, and more than 60% of users that engage with the program kept the weight off for a year or more. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at Noom.com slash believe. Again, that's Noom, N-O-O-M, dot com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. What I always learn is if I help people get what they want in life, I probably will get what I want in life. Uh, but it's, it's, again, more of a question base. And, and again, caring for the person. Uh, I always looked when I was selling somebody, you know, a lot of elderly people come into car dealerships. And they, I remember years ago, and, and I don't want to embellish too much on the, the experience, but uh, they take advantage of it. We live in Florida. There's no shortage that Floridians have been taking advantage of elderly people in many ways for many years. Um, but reality is if you put yourself in, wow, this is, if this was my mother, how would I want her to be taken care of today? And that's how I always kind of looked at these sales experience. I put I put the people in a more personal level with myself to help them find what they want. And if I didn't have what they want, I didn't just give them a poor experience. I gave them the best I could. I wished them luck. And if it works out, they'll come back and see me. And it's refreshing to hear someone like yourself talk about uh, sales that way because you are really providing a service and you are helping people, uh, especially in a complicated big ticket item. You know, when you when you look at in media, when you look in movies and TV, salespeople are always the sleazy type. You know, I think of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. You know, yeah, I used to be in sales tough racket you know they're always you know the guy comes in well he wants to buy one plot of land yeah but if you bought three plots of land you know <laughs> then i could then i could get the car that i want <laughs> coffee's for closers so so i i mean on the one hand you have you have i think more informed you have a more informed customer now with all the ways that they can get their information uh and you have um uh, uh, therefore, an easier time in terms of, of getting someone to want to buy your product. It's just more about maybe helping them get to where they need to be or what answers they need so they feel comfortable to buy the product that, as you say, Alex, they've already walked in ready to go. And I think, I think one of the things that I think your book talks about and that we have to address is what interpersonal skills have we lost uh, as we've become so focused on our phones, on technology for all our solutions, you know, and we don't, you know, people, young kids date today. They date on apps. They, the, the, the courtship, learning how to read someone's body language. Where, where do people get all those skills now to be able to be the salespeople of the future to continue your trend of really providing a valuable service? You know, again, like you say, it's just such a different environment. We didn't have uh, cell phones when we were young. Uh, like I say, on a Friday night, if you wanted to go meet up with your friends, you had a few places to go and you showed up and you hoped that they'd be there. Uh, they had matter. to be there because there was no way for you to let them know you weren't going to be there. Exactly. You couldn't call them. Uh, you know, it was just what you did on a Friday night. Uh, you were at the bowling alley or you went to the arcade or you hit the football game or the pizzeria. But that's where your your, your connections were. Today, the youth of America, we can sit in our apartments all day long. We can communicate with all our friends on a screen. We don't have to get out. We don't have to do anything. So unfortunately, that leads people to, to, my, it, it, to an experience that 
I can experience everything on my phone. I don't want to go do it in person. And they avoid that contact. Um, like I say, you know, in years past, I remember when I was a young man, I grew up in, in, the, in the car guy with my father going to the car show every fall, you know, when the new models came out, it was a huge deal. The cars I used to love in, that too, yeah. They, they came in on trucks that were covered. You couldn't see them. You went there and gathered brochures. It was a real big deal. Today, everything's out way before it gets there. Uh, and it, it's just uh, some misinformation. Some of the stuff's real facts. And some of the cars that they see on the screens, they'll never see, a, see one to buy because it doesn't ever come to fruition. It's just some artist rendering. You know, there used to be a point in time when the salesperson had all the answers, right? It, it, no yes. one knew more about that product than the salesperson. And Even the door-to-door -door guy. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and, and today, though, that's not necessarily the case, right? Because people are walking in with a lot of information, right? So you don't really step. It's not smart, I guess, to step into an auto dealership without doing your homework. And that was kind of the, the, the situation. So not only if you're, whether or not it's a, it's a SUV or a kettle at Target, you're sure. walking in with uh, reviews, you're walking in with right. uh, the top 10 kettles in America. And pricing. Uh, <laughs> pricing, right. right? So you're, you're at all. You're going in armed with all this information and that 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 old adage that the customer is always right actually is true right today because you, oh, yeah, that's very good yes. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Um, the only time i'm always right <laughs> right yeah. and so and so you know in a lot of ways when i i go into to, to uh, uh any retail organization and i see the salesperson i'm quizzing them I mean, look, if I know more than you, then I don't want you talking to me because what's your what's the value you're bringing? Sure. And and in that way, at that moment, I think the salesperson is no longer a salesperson. They should be a coach. Right. So they should be because yeah. you know, ultimately, a consultant. Well, well, no, but more than that, because you're 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 not giving you're not um, a consultant has the answer at the end of the day a coach doesn't all they're doing is helping you make the best decision that you need to make because they're guiding you along and ultimately a, a salesperson should be more of a coach than a salesperson because they're just helping you do what you already wanted to do and if that's the case even more so do you need interpersonal skills because what is a coach if not recognizing what the skills are of their player where the deficiencies are and more importantly how to reach the player to get the maximum that the player can generate from themselves and so in that same way that coach has to have interpersonal skills so we get to the point where and this is some of the stuff you talk in the book russ what do you think are the one or two or three things or, or or skills that young people should work towards or hone today interpersonal skills that will help them be the salespeople of tomorrow? Well, if I could just go back to what Alex was talking about before, you know, it's true. Customers are information. But my perception on that is, again, I came from the background that when I entered the sales, it wasn't that way. We were the experts. We had to train ourselves and learn the product to present it in a way to get the client to make a well-informed decision. Today, believe it or not, the salespeople, uh, because of the due to lack of training interpersonal skills, know less about the cars than ever before. Uh, the cars are, 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 are difficult to learn. They're tedious to learn. But what's really happened is 
information, just because you know a lot or you read a lot about a thing doesn't really make you an expert. Information is kind of like a drug. Uh, just enough of it is probably the appropriate measure. And if you overdose on it, you'll kind of go unconscious. So salespeople today just need to be extremely versed in their product. They have to have great levels of product knowledge and great people skills and understand that uh, they have to get that fear factor down and be more human and relate to people uh, because they say two people with the same goal should work together. Uh, they want to come in to get what they want. We like them to get what they want. We're there to help them get what they want. It shouldn't be so adver adversarial, if you will. And unfortunately, due to the industry's reputation and salespeople's reputation, uh, it's just the way it is. So they, as you said, they prepare for the game. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, going to jump in and say the first thing that I would recommend those people that are looking to level up their sales game is have the right question. And what I mean by that is obviously an open, it's an open statement, but like a coach, like a career coach, for example, you go to a career coach because you, everybody wants um, another job. But you don't want another job. You want more money. You want a better life. You want to move. You want a bigger house. You want to look successful among your friends. You want to, there's, there are many different reasons why you want that job. And the sales coach asks, gets to those, um, those answers relatively quickly, and they're able to then help you as a result. Because a good sales coach is not one that will sit there and try to just get you into any old job. So, a salesperson, me, for me, has to ask the question behind the question. If I want a, if I want a pot, a, 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 a kettle pot. Why do I want it? Do I want? Is it because I want a bigger pot for to feed my kids for 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 tea? Do I want it hotter? Do I want it to get hotter quicker? The the qualifying questions behind the question is, I think, the first step to communicating empathy. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Alex. You know, one of the there's there's about five or six words that I think are the most important in sales that I try to teach my people, and it's who, what where, when, how, why. Qualifying in sales is a critical part of your job because you're not paid by the hour, you're paid per transaction. And I've seen hundreds of salespeople spend eight and nine hours with people who had no intention of purchasing anything. And at the end of the day, everybody leaves uh, disheartened. The salesman didn't get a sale, the customer didn't get anything. Uh, and what did, you, what did you accomplish today? Absolutely nothing. The questions are, are the key. You know, I've always found a great mentor of mine once told me, you're only one great question away from finding out everything you needed to know in life. The key is knowing the question. So you know, I'm a huge Q&A guy. Uh, my book I'm, uh, also demonstrates that. I ask a lot of questions in the book because we're all seeking answers. Um, but again, first you must have the question. So it's, it's I, like you say, in real estate, for example, and, and I call say, my I've bought houses, I've built houses. I run across some of the worst salespeople in the world in real estate, unfortunately, due to their inability to ask questions. They don't care about you. Uh, they don't follow up. Uh, it, it was just such a bad experience. And then, uh, like I say, it's, it happens in insurance industries, real estate, banking. It happens in all industries. It's all about that connection you make. As you said, you have to feel like you have an ally there with you, giving you some uh, pretty good information to help you on your merry way. 
The other thing I would add is you also want to keep the long-term vision in mind, right? Selling is not about how quick and how quickly you can sell. Selling is about building a relationship. It's, I always used to say, we're not looking for a short gain. You're looking at long-term greed here. Sure. Building a relationship where this is person, you're, you're going to be this person's salesperson for a decade, not, not to sell this transaction that's going to go down, that he's going to lose money, but that's okay. You'll go on to the next guy. That's not yeah. the way to sell. You have to keep in mind you're trying to build a relationship with the customer that should transcend time. Yeah, and on that same topic, I mean, a sales per, you know, a car sales guy, you know, there's a few things that everybody needs in their life. You have a good doctor, you have a good attorney or a lawyer, you have a good financial advisor, an insurance broker, a guy that helps share your family. And there's always that guy uh, that I always that guy, the car guy. And he was the guy that you trusted. And every couple, three years when you needed some help, boom, he was there for you. And he, there wasn't a lot of turnover. You look forward to going back to see those people. One of the, the biggest problems I find in sales today Day, the biggest fears customer have is everybody's trying to say, oh, I'll be here for you in the long run. They show up three months later. And of course, the guy's not there anymore because the industry is so rampant in turnover. Uh, that's a whole nother topic, of course, but that's what really it affects. People get so tired of being told one thing and then the expectation is there and it's always torn out from under their feet. Or having to explain yourself and who you are and what you like in cars yeah. after your whole story to somebody new every time. And you exactly. make up a great point, Russ, because, uh, and you hit the nail on the head because my brother, he's gone through a ton of cars leasing and he's got his people and he brings the car back and they give him a deal or they call him up or they got something from him. He's built a relationship and they're both benefiting over decades. And the experience is positive. And he tells everybody what a great and experience, experience is. And he wouldn't think of going anywhere else. And he doesn't have to because he already found it. You know, another old adage, if you lost your car keys and you found them the first place you looked, would you keep on looking? You know, maybe not. You know, so that's a great way to look at it. You know, if, if people know what they want and we're giving them what they want, unfortunately, their fear just makes them go, oh, I read on page 22 of the Consumer Reports in paragraph six, never buy at the first place you visited because of, oh, they're going to take advantage of you. Well, no one can take advantage of you today in, in most any of these instances. Uh, the margins on cars are clearly stated. People know what we pay for them. They know what their trade-ins are worth. It's pretty much an open book. It's a very transparent industry if you just allow it to take place. Now, unfortunately, you're going to meet some probably not so fun people to deal with along the way. And those are just products of bad experience, bad training, bad managers. Uh, again, in all my years in the industry, uh, I learned a lot of things, what I should be doing and a lot of things that I shouldn't be doing to, in the customer relationship. I think in the end, we can't say it enough. Sales is creating a connection. Yeah, we all we all want to feel connected. We're pack animals. We all want to be in groups. We all want our friends. We all want to be around people. We all want to have be connected. And and I think uh, uh, to, to wrap up my, my side here, I would say that if there's anything that's down on the negative side of technology is we've lost the inner human connection. And I think one of the industries that will benefit from that returning is the sales retail sales function. Yeah. And I would just say small more, right? I mean, yeah. I think you, to, to your point, Russell, I mean, you've been in the business a while, primarily because you've built great relationships with your customers that keep on coming back. And I think there is a point that I think, I'm just now hearing you talk, I've missed, and that is having great relationships with the people that have sold me something. If you moved from one brand to the other, if you went from Toyota to Mitsubishi, I'm going to go to Mitsubishi because I like working with you and I know that you're fair and you're great. You're a great guy to work with. So it doesn't even matter what the product is, as long as the sales experience is, is that much more rewarding. So 
I, I can't even, I can't echo more how, or how important it is um, to bring that human connection and relationship uh, to the, to the sales experience, especially at retail. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Like you say, it's all about the experience. And, and as we go through life and you look at the new generations and the way people purchase products and goods, young people today are purchasing experiences. People are quitting their jobs and getting RVs and watching sunsets and going to mountain. They're doing things. They're valuing experiences over products. Uh, we all have plenty of stuff in our garage that'll be in a garage sale at some point that we don't need anymore. Uh, but it's true. You know, like I say, Buying a car, buying a house should be a wonderful, rewarding, memorable experience on many levels. Uh, it shouldn't be something we're afraid of. Russ, well said. Uh, we want to thank you very much for coming on and giving us uh, a look into the uh, world of big ticket item sales and the interpersonal skills and the relationships that are required to pull that kind of a kind of a business off. And we wish you all the luck in the new book, Life in a Cell, which will be published shortly. Thank you again, gentlemen. A pleasure to be here. Listen to your, your podcast. Great stuff all the time. Thank you, Russ. My pleasure. You've been listening to The Real Estate Podcast. Give us a quick review and rating on iTunes. Check out our website at therealestate.co and let us know if there are any new topics you'd like to hear us address. We love hearing your feedback. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.